Seest thou that ye are created after mine own image? Yea, even all men were created in the beginning after mine own image. Ether chapter 3 verse 15 Hey listeners, this is Nick from Book of Mormon Central, and today's podcast addresses the question, Why were man and woman created in the image of God? In the cosmic creation account in Genesis chapter 1, the culmination of God's creation is man and woman, who are created in God's image and likeness. For centuries, the Judeo-Christian tradition had wrestled with the theological implications of this statement, since mainstream theology in both Jewish and Christian traditions portrays God as without body, parts, or passions, an unresponsive being who cannot be influenced or acted upon. For instance, one Jewish scholar reasoned that being in the image of God only entails a variety of abstract, non-physical qualities. All those faculties and gifts of character that distinguish man from the beast, such as intellect, free will, self-awareness, consciousness of the existence of others, conscience, responsibility, and self-control. Similarly, a Christian scholar concluded that it implies that it is those human characteristics that enable him to fulfill his duty of ruling the earth. Neither scholar mentions or implies physical, bodily form as being part of God's image. Without denying that there are other factors at play, Restoration Scripture makes clear that humanity's status as the image of God includes a physical resemblance to deity. In Ether chapter 3, the brother of Jared saw the finger of the Lord, and it was as the finger of a man, like unto flesh and blood. Because of his great faith, the Lord showed himself unto him and said, Behold, I am Jesus Christ. Seest thou that ye are created after mine own image? Yea, even all men were created in the beginning after mine own image. Behold, this body, which ye now behold, is the body of my spirit. And man have I created after the body of my spirit. And even as I appear unto thee to be in the spirit, will I appear unto my people in the flesh. Here the premortal Christ reveals that humanity was created in the image of his spirit body, which has the same form and appearance as his future body of flesh. Similarly, Joseph Smith's inspired revision of Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 through 27, now canonized as part of the book of Moses, indicates that humankind is in the image of the pre-mortal Christ, who in turn is himself in the image of the Father. And I, God, said unto mine only begotten, which was with me from the beginning, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And it was so. And I, God, created man in mine own image. In the image of mine only begotten created I him. Male and female created I them. Genesis chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 echoes Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through 27, stating that God created man in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them, and then adding that Adam had a son in his own likeness after his image, he called his name Seth. In the book of Moses, this is revised to explicitly refer to the bodily image of God. In the day that God created man, In the likeness of God made he him. In the image of his own body, male and female, created he them. And Adam lived one hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness, after his own image, and called his name Seth. 
The Book of Mormon and the Book of Moses were translated in 1829 and 1830, respectively. Thus, humanity's physical resemblance to deity was one of the earliest truths restored in modern times, a truth which Joseph Smith himself surely understood even earlier thanks to his first vision. These passages from Restoration Scripture accurately reflect the understanding of God's image and likeness from an ancient Near Eastern perspective. In recent years, biblical scholars have increasingly recognized that the human-like presentation of God in the Hebrew Bible is not intended to be read metaphorically. Specifically, several scholars have noted that man being in God's image, Salim, and likeness, Demut, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27, and chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, has a physical dimension to it, precisely as indicated in Restoration Scripture. For example, the eminent biblical scholar David Noel Friedman explained, We note that humanity occupies a unique status in contrast with all the other created beings on the earth, being made in the image and according to the likeness of God. The basic likeness is in physical appearance, as the study of the etymology and usage of both terms shows. These terms are used in cognate languages of statuses representing gods and humans in contemporary inscriptions, and certainly the intention is to say that God and man share a common physical appearance. Similarly, after quoting Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, Charles Halton states, It seems pretty straightforward that if God created humans in the divine image, then God must look like a human. Benjamin Somer likewise states, the terms used in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, Demut and Selim, pertain specifically to the physical contours of God. This becomes especially clear when one views the terms in their ancient Semitic context. They are used to refer to visible, concrete representations of physical bodies, and there is no evidence suggesting we should read these terms as somehow metaphorical and abstract. Both ancient Jews and early Christians recognized the biblical description of God's image as being like that of man, and they took such descriptions literally. Theologian David L. Paulson has shown that it was only after Christianity and Judaism became influenced by Greek philosophical metaphysics that such interpretations changed. Joseph Smith taught that it is necessary for us to have an understanding of God himself in the beginning, and stressed that in order to obtain a correct understanding of God, we must start from a sound foundation. If we start right, it is easy to go right all the time. But if we start wrong, it is a hard matter to get right. Having a proper understanding of God's embodiment and the meaning of humanity being in God's image and likeness is foundational to gaining a proper relationship between God and man. The clear implication of humanity, both male and female, being created in God's image is that all men and women are the offspring of God. Halston argues, citing Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, we look like the divine because we are God's offspring. Prophets and apostles and other servants of the Lord have repeatedly taught the importance of this solemn truth. For instance, President Hugh B. Brown taught, For us, God is not an abstraction. He is not an idea, a metaphysical principle, an impersonal force or power. He is a concrete, living person. And though in our own human frailty we cannot know the total mystery of his being, we know that he is akin to us, and he is, in fact, our Father. We reaffirm the doctrine of the ancient scripture and of all the prophets that asserts that man was created in the image of God and that God possessed such human qualities as consciousness, 
will, love, mercy, justice. In other words, he is an exalted, perfected, and glorified being. This proper understanding of God makes each individual's relationship with God intimate and personal. It also promotes an ennobling view of men and women everywhere. In the ancient Near East context, the image of God, or the gods, was commonly thought to be invested in royalty. But Genesis extends this royal concept to all of humanity. Furthermore, God commanded the Israelites not to make any graven images of God to bow down and worship, at least partially, because rather than dumb idols, God's true image is manifest in living, breathing persons. This means every human being deserves to be treated with dignity and respect as children of God and reflections of His image and likeness. As President Joseph Fielding Smith taught, the God we worship is a glorified being in whom all power and perfection dwell, and He has created man in His own image and likeness, with those characteristics and attributes which He Himself possesses. And so our belief in the dignity and destiny of humankind is an essential part both of our theology and of our way of life. It is the very basis of our Lord's teaching that the first and great commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And that the second great commandment is, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thank you for listening. To find out more, please visit bookofmormoncentral.org and then click on Know Why.